Welcome to Customer Value Cast, a podcast dedicated to helping you acquire, retain, and expand more customers by putting measurable value at the heart of your customer lifecycle. Join our host, Ross Fulton, founder and CEO of ValueWise, as he dives deep into how reoccurring revenue businesses are maximizing their growth and valuations with the industry's leading experts and pioneers. Hello and welcome to this first episode of 2023 of the Customer Value Cast. This is the show that is designed to put measurable value at the heart of your customer lifecycle so your business can retain and expand more revenue from your customers. Today I am joined by both a friend and someone I admire massively in terms of Carrie, what you've been driving in the customer success domain, Carrie Ardalan. And Carrie, I'll get you to introduce yourself in a second, but uh, today we're going to be really drilling into this world of digital customer success, which I feel like is consuming the uh, the recurring revenue domain, not just the customer success domain. And I know that you're blazing a trail in Qualtrics around digital customer success and have uh, have so much to share. Before we get into that, maybe Kari, introduce uh, yourself and your background for those listening who haven't had a chance to connect with you before. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Carrie Ardalan here, I am the head of digital and scale success for Qualtrics. feel like I've had a lifetime in customer success. Started out more in the enterprise space and kind of managing those enterprise teams. But as scale and digital started to become a thing, it's definitely something I've been interested in, right? I view it as the future of success and how you start to throttle engagements across different channels along the journey. I also like playing with different mediums of communication and really impacting that overall profitability, which is super important today, right? By reducing that cost to serve for the customer base. So with that, I moved over to run a bunch of scale teams at Box, Zendesk, and now Qualtrics. So really working to scale, digitally engage, and build out those self-serve motions. Awesome. Awesome. That's been a incredible journey you've been on and continue to pursue and succeed in with some pretty incredible companies there like Box and Zendesk and now Qualtrics. I think the orientation and now sort of the, the core focus around scale and digital, it, it is, as you say, extremely timely. We're recording this at the beginning of 2023 and the macroeconomic situation right now is causing, I'd say, a reconciliation in the tech industry like we haven't seen for a a number of years, possibly never, considering just the very interesting frothy times of 2020, 2021 into 2022. So the name of the game right now is efficiency, profitability, and how that can be driven in a way that still is driving the value that these technology companies want to make sure gets realized by their customers. And this equation around efficiency, profitability without sacrificing value delivery to customers is pointing very firmly at digital and how we drive efficient customer adoption. And I think yeah, what, what you're building carry at Qualtrics is fascinating in terms of its sole focus. Like we are just here to drive this digital approach, which to me is very powerful and distinct from the, I'd say the last, let's say three or so years where there's been certainly a presence around digital customer engagement in most tech companies, but it's been a shared sort of motion and a shared strategy and you've got marketing sort of getting involved you've got maybe product getting involved in terms of sort of the in-app strategy you've had customer success and some digital elements within a customer success organization and strategy but i think what you're building which is to me where we're heading here which is a dedicated 
we own this. This is an end-to-end -end strategy that we're building out as a very distinct piece of the equation, not as something blended into just the mix and or not something that's just for this very, very long tail piece of our customer base, I think is very forward looking and necessary. But we'd love to carry get it in your own words around what you are building out in Qualtrics, what the origins of the function that you're building in Qualtrics has been, why it exists, where it's going, and we can sort of drill into it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So Traditionally, Qualtrics has been more of a high-touch approach. So the model was hire consultants to manage the book of business. Again, more of that high-touch experience. But over time, we've started to see some of the impacts right to the mid and long tail with that because that's really difficult to scale. And then even for those large, large customers, you have to look at what they're doing user-wise. It's very tough to engage with all the lines of business down to the user so you even have a need for digital and scale there as well. And that just becomes more and more important as we get into this economic environment. So originally everything was semi-distributed across different teams. We brought them all into one, which is my digital success org. So I run four teams today at Qualtrics. The first is Success Hub. So we are treating that as our digital front door for all things related to post-sales services. So within that, you can manage your tickets, success packages, renewals, and then enablement all in one place. The focus here is to really automate all things services related and allow customers to self-serve where needed and really promote adoption and growth. And then with that, we also have XM community. So we didn't want to have competing portals. So as I mentioned, that success hub is that digital front door to all of our other different portals that customers will come in and connect. The community primarily being that peer-to-peer -peer engagement, so sharing best practices, events, and networking. Then I also have the digital side, so that's the omni-channel approach to journeys across the life cycle. So they're building out all of our customer journeys across onboarding, adoption, renewal, and growth. And by bringing all these groups together, they're able to do that across all of our channels. So we have in-product, we have email, we have the self-serve portals, and then it goes all the way down to the frontline teams. And then they also manage a lot of our one-to-many motions, so user groups, user forums, and webinars. And then lastly, I have that scale frontline. So this is the last line of engagement for those that are not engaging digitally. So they go into a bit more detail into that customer or the book of business metrics to run very custom campaigns and meetings from one-to-one -one all the way down to one-to-many to get the customers to then re-engage and do that call to action, essentially. Yeah. So fascinating and a lot to uh, a lot to unpack there. What yeah. acknowledging that Qualtrics brought you in to say, hey, look, we need uh, we need Carry to help build and drive this. But what are you able to share in terms of the genesis inside Qualtrics to say, hey, look, we want to centralize this. We're going to put a leader in here, build this out as a strategy and a function. I guess move away or not certainly go down the path of having this sort of decentralized, shared, well, marketing does a bit of this and product does a bit of that and CS does a bit of this. What was the catalyst or the genesis for that in Qualtrics? Yeah, so when we had them separate, you're kind of like beg borrowing and stealing to get something accomplished, mm -hmm. right? And so, and then no one really owns the entire outcome of onboarding per se for post-sales or adoption, right? So marketing may take a component of it, enablement may take a component of it, and then success, but no one really is driving it across the board. And so that was part of the genesis of bringing a lot of this together is so that we can kind of operate on the same OKRs, 
and really drive towards the same mission. So while we do partner with marketing, with enablement, et cetera, we really design the journeys across all of those different groups for our existing customer base. And so that, again, really helps us to organize what that journey looks like. And we're not just throwing a bunch of emails that don't look coordinated to our customers. I think another interesting piece of macro context, where do you carry your team roll up to in the organization from a reporting line in terms of thinking about the the sort of executive suite of Qualtrics? Is it marketing? Is it customer success? Is it a completely different line? Or We roll up to customer success. So the VP of customer success right now, that was controversial at the time because I did take on community as well as a lot of support deflection. So I took on our what we call our digital support team as well. So that was interesting too, to carry over some of those KPIs into the success world. So we do have some sort of a shared service model there as well. Right, right. And so you mentioned OKRs and KPIs, just what are the sort of headline, again, as much as you can share the OKRs or KPIs that, that your function is, I guess, A, what are your North Stars? And then what are the maybe the, the submetrics that you really have direct accountability for that contribute to those North Stars that you have today? So North Star is to reduce cost to serve, get customers to self-serve a bit more. So you have some of those self-service metrics. That's really tough to measure in success unless those CSMs, right, are documenting everything they do. In the support side, that's much easier to measure, right? Because you have the tickets, you know, you have the time cat, you can measure deflection if they go to like a support article, much more challenging on the success side. So we are looking at more of leading metrics to that. So we look at cohorts of customers that are engaged across different channels. So whether that be with enablement, with our webinars, with our emails, we look at those that are neutral and those that are completely disengaged. And we are trying to move more from disengaged to neutral, neutral to engaged, again, more in those self-service channels. But then we do measure when our scale frontline will have to engage as well. So over time, you'll see start to a shift of more self-service as we build more of these things out. That theme of self-service, I think you and I have talked about this a lot offline. And I think it's something that is very important to call out. And I think Nick Meta, CEO of Gainsight, literally posted just last week on this concept of push versus pull in a digital sort of led strategy around engaging customers and pushing. We can push, push, push emails, notifications, et cetera, to customers, but how can we pull them into actually self-serving and driving their own sort of adoption journey from a self-service basis? And I know that you are a huge proponent and have already achieved a lot inside Qualtrics around this concept, which is arguably old school around a customer portal. And that portal concept being, and I've talked about this on other episodes of this podcast, where I find it shockingly absent in a lot of technology enterprises, mm-hmm. this concept of a customer portal that in 2020, now three, should be giving a very curated, personalized experience to a customer and gives them ultimately that capability to self-serve on the, on the items, the, the resources, the insights the data points that help them drive their own value realization through product adoption. But Carrie, maybe share your thoughts around that sort of self-serve concept and, and what you're you're seeing and driving and got planned around that portal concept. And also maybe sort of why it is sort of quite rare still in, in B2B technology enterprises from your perspective. Yeah. So traditionally, when you thought of digital, it was very much push, right? Like it's mm-hmm. like push product, push email, et cetera. 
What we're trying to do, especially since COVID has happened, people don't want more email. They don't want more meetings, et cetera. So we're trying to get away from this spam methodology and do more of that poll. If you think from an onboarding, a customer joins, they should get one email. And then that one email will send them to our self-serve portal that should send them down a getting ready journey. So it could be, here are the five things you need to do to set up your account in product. And that portal will redirect them to the product to take that action. And then it will take them down their enablement journey of like, here's the five courses you need to take to be certified as an admin. And that journey should be customized based on who that person is, what they're subscribed to, et cetera. Again, they get to manage that and monitor it on their own, but then you also get to see like how they're completing on that. And then you can use email to mirror that, to say, Hey, you're stalled here. Do you need help from a CSM? Or do you need to see this resource to get you moving even further along that journey? So the ultimate goal is we will do push notifications, but it's to pull them back into these self-serve motions to own that journey themselves. Super interesting. And on the, on the theme of, okay, hey, how is Qualtrics, why has Qualtrics been able to really drive a lot of progress on this theme of pull and self-serve and portal versus Again, painting with broad brushes, but C is quite conspicuously absent in a lot of other technology companies, especially in the enterprise category. One of my theories would be that it requires this centralized ownership to enable that strategy to be operationalized, because if you've got this decentralized ownership of all this, this these digital elements and all the components you're just describing there, trying to centralize that operationally in some sort of customer facing portal is at a minimum, you've just got a lot of cooks in that kitchen, which generally computes to not much getting done. Would you put that sort of centralized ownership as being key to what has helped Qualtrics drive this poor motion and this self-service capability, or is there anything else you'd point to? Yes, it is super key. So you, you need governance across all things. So, I mean, we saw this when we were rolling out additional channels, we rolled out we were working on rolling out in product, but it was starting to become more of a spam methodology than we liked. And you really have to think about all your different channels, how you're going to govern them and what's the purpose of them. And having that centralized motion really helps you kind of control that, right? Otherwise, that in product team will just go and build whatever they want. My email team might build something, marketing might build something, and they're not unified. So if you're not going to have it centralized, you at least need to have governing councils, which I've done at other companies that have been successful. But I will say the centralization has helped massively with my remit at Qualtrics. Yeah, yeah. I want to come back to something you mentioned earlier on the KPI OKR front and this concept of reducing cost to serve. And that, I think, is a concept that a lot of leaders and companies still are struggling to articulate around okay, what is this cost and how am I calculating it, let alone how do I then reduce it? And yet a challenge that I think every company and every leader is having to face right now and will continue to have to make sure they have an answer to because of that macroeconomic situation we talked about earlier, which is driving the theme of sustainable growth and efficiency and profitability. Is cost to serve, I guess, a metric or composite of metrics, something that's been fairly established in Qualtrics or is it fairly new as it relates to a way of articulating the, the financial performance of your, your management of customers and kind of who owns that calculation inside Qualtrics and is it something that's been fairly I guess embraced by the leadership of Qualtrics or is it uh, okay 
or customer success is worrying about it, but we haven't quite got a democratized adoption of, of customer serve yet across the business. How is it being perceived right now? Yeah, so I will say, I think everyone semi looked at costs to serve in some capacity, right? How yeah. you calculate that could be fairly subjective. I think there's easy ways to look at it, like how many administrative things are my customer success teams doing versus strategic and working to automate those over time. So they're able to either cover more of the book or get deeper in the book. And then that's what we are more working towards is we have a lot of manual work that's being done by those frontline teams that could be automated. So the first focus is getting that automated and then measuring traffic to those. And then how does that let us throttle the book size? So that's where I'm really driving most of my impact in the digital motion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's a really good takeaway for anyone listening that is looking to be able to understand whether it's been called cost to serve i have a metric around kind of cost efficiency that i need to drive where do i start i think that sort of approach of what you might describe as a sort of time-based analysis of okay i've got these resources doing these things with customers and this isn't just talking to resources that sit under that uh, organizational banner of cs it's support services technical account management sales etc cetera, etc cetera. What are they doing with customers across this customer lifecycle? How are they doing it? What are the cost and time impacts of that? How are they doing it from, as you say, from a manual perspective or not, as the case might be, and using that as the genesis for starting to think about automation, which obviously digital is really the, the core word of all. We're, we're doing, what we're doing here is automating customer engagement through digital and certainly including and layering in a level of curation that is ideally data-driven that is arguably hard to scalably replicate through a human-led approach. But fundamentally, this is an automation exercise and the ability to sort of understand, okay, well, what are we doing today or what, and or what should we be doing with customers today? Whether we're automating it or not, whether it's human-led or not, what should we be doing? That to me is, is a foundational piece of IP that any organization needs to have understood, documented, mapped out to then be able to start to roll that into a digital strategy. What has been the approach in Qualtrics in terms of having that baseline understanding of what is the design of our customer lifecycle? Who should be doing what to drive customer adoption and customer value realization? Therefore, here's what we should be digitizing. Was that sort of done before you arrived, Kari? Or is that still something that you have as, a, as an ongoing motion of the design process? You mentioned earlier designing those digital journeys. What does that design process look like? Yeah, so I think for us, it's been a challenge. If you're tracking time on the professional services side, they're logging hours, et cetera, much more easier to measure. Same thing on the support side. It gets a little bit gray on the success side because there's still that question, which I'm sure you know very well, like what is a high value activity and how do you measure that? So that's where it gets sort of gray. How we are looking on it is first automating journey. So we're starting on the tail ends between onboarding and risk. So we are starting pretty broad, right? So, you know, your welcome email taking you into that portal to then carry out a basic account level journey. So first getting everyone on that, especially helping with the long tail of the business so that we can see our impact. And then we're going to go layer in additional customization. So you can do that by product line. We'll be adding in localization and verticals, again, to start to automate some of those things that a CSM would normally have to walk a customer through. 
And then that allows them then to engage where a customer might be growing super quickly or at risk of a really poor onboarding experience. And so we use different triggers of they have not completed the ask. We get NPS scores for first year customers. That sort of listening telemetry that we then push to the front line for them then to go have a more high value activity. So less of a repeatable process for the front line, more of like, this is an issue, please go engage in a customized way because we are automating more of those repeatable actions. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the function you're building out that's got this ownership and focus around digital and scale, what are the sort of role types or or profiles that you have in this function? Because I think everyone listening here will be at least familiar with what you might today regard as traditional role types that sit inside CS organizations, maybe even indeed inside CS operation functions, as well as the traditional PS sales support type roles. But when it comes to, okay, well, I've got a, an organization that all they drive, uh, when I say all, I mean, it's super important, but they're, they're so focused just on digital and scale. Who do I staff that with in terms of role types and role definitions? What's your approach been there? Yeah, I have... A hodgepodge of roles, which makes it interesting. <laughs> we do a lot of pod-based work. So from a digital CS side, I have an onboarding journey person, and then I also have an adoption journey owner. But we also have analysts and more of the back-end technology for how we would configure those journeys. So what data are we using? You know, What system is orchestrating that journey? What is distributing the email, et cetera? That's what they manage. And then same thing on the hub side, a lot of developers, we are custom building that success hub. So we do have developers, we have content people building those articles that are going into the hub. And then we have program managers as well, managing the overall success of the program. And then community and scale, pretty traditional roles, like, you know, your community moderators, et cetera. And then the scale frontline are your scale CSMs and those leaders across the globe. The two journey manager roles, I think are very interesting. And again, I think very, very important. I think I see them emerging. I think on a monthly basis, I, I see a company or two investing in that type of role and really getting into what you could argue is a B2C inspired mindset around, okay, we're not sort of managing just customers and and renewal cycles we are managing a life cycle here and and we are needing to think in a journey mindset which i think a b2b journey is very different to b2c journey in terms of all the different moving parts and the different functions you've got to uh, think about in a b2b customer journey versus serving me as a consumer you're not going to give me a ps funk to deal with when i sign up for a consumer product but we have to reconcile that in b2b but my point being that journey focused role i think is is very important what do you look for what do you recommend people look for when defining that role and then specifically people that could be successful in that role are you looking for cs experience are you looking for instructional design type experience is it education experience is it service design experience is it no no these need to be from the front lines and even maybe have been customers themselves because they have lived and breathed the journey that we're trying to automate and digitize here so yeah maybe drill into that journey role itself and what makes it successful and what type of i guess profile or person makes that role successful yeah so i've looked at marketing backgrounds definitely scale or other digital backgrounds customer marketing is a big one as well as far mm-hmm. as the characteristics definitely someone that can own cross-functional collaboration because like what i have been pressure testing with my journey owners is it's not just 
success. It's not just email. We centralize these teams for a reason. So they need to rethink the model in how we want to push versus pull, et cetera, and via what system. So more of that innovative thinker, someone that can bring in cross-functional teams, align goals across those cross-functional teams, and then design a journey. As far as being a SME on enablement or content, we let those teams be the SME for those resources. And that journey owner kind of orchestrates it, for lack of a better word, of pulling all the stuff we have in together and how that works in a trigger-based or journey-based motion. No, interesting, interesting. This has been awesome. Uh, last topic, which we just can't not talk about, uh, we, we could spend a little bit of time here, we could spend probably the next hour here, but is AI. Let's talk about AI, because we can't talk about 2023, digital customer engagement, and not talk about the role of AI today and potentially or not potentially, definitely tomorrow. And if we sort of focus that down, because AI is a super broad concept, advanced analytics, machine learning driven, that are really sort of driving that propensity, predictive-based set of triggers that, to use that word you just mentioned, that trigger-based drive next best action, what is the next best outcome that we're going to sort of take a customer through a digital journey to achieve and use, use AI to drive that. What is your opinion, I guess, on that whole big murky concept of AI and how it applies to digital customer success and the way you see it going and potentially anything you're looking at uh, specifically in Qualtrics on that subject? Yeah. So kind of, as you mentioned before, B2B is moving much more closer to the B2C space. So we mm -hmm. are, over time, we want to start tracking interactions in our product, in our self-service portal, but also in our human interactions as well. We are also going to start looking at personas and then helping find what that human on the other side needs. So that data, AI, et cetera, is just going to help us get there. I think every company has started with product-based metrics, right? That's the easiest to measure. If they're not using the product, they won't renew. But the thing everyone is starting to look at as well is more of a listening architecture. So having conversational AI, doing product intercepts, getting that survey data, there are things like Gong that you can set up, Bombora, that can do kind of, is my customer mentioning me here and in what way? So pulling in that experience and product data is huge to understand not only where are there issues with the product, but where is there friction with that experience and where do we intervene? And then there's this whole emergence of content, artificial intelligence as well, right? With like chat, GPT, et cetera. And you're seeing scale teams use that today to build custom email journeys and spin up and automate that quickly. We're also paying attention to how chatbots evolve over time and other communication channels just to make sure we're staying ahead of that. So it's all growing super, super fast. I think just keeping an eye on it and being creative on how you would use that is important. And then also where it would fail. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Do you see a, a path where your team and, and function will have its own sort of in-house AI-based specialists and I guess strategy owners, or is, is that something you see sort of, hey, that's again, something we're going to dip into, into a core capability that might sit inside a company like Qualtrics and will be a customer of that? Or do you see a kind of customer, customer I don't know what it would be called, but customer AI function that sits inside the overall digital customer function inside a company like Qualtrics in the future? Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on it. I will say with the portal, again, I think meetings and emails are tending to die over time. So mm -hmm. 
as we bring more and more into our portal and we are plugging in some of our own journey orchestration tools into the back end to really consume the events and the interactions within that portal, future, future state, could I then pull my customer success managers in that portal to do interactions with customers in real time? That would first be human interactions, but then over time, could you teach like a chat bot or something to do that within the hub itself and continue to automate and self-serve in that way? I don't think we're there yet. I think we have a ways to go, but that's where I'm headed in my thinking of, could we bring everyone into that portal and, and interact in that way? Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Carrie, I really appreciate your time. And I always, I love our conversations. I appreciate the collaboration we've had since we've known each other. And yeah, I think it's been very generous of you to share all your insights with the listeners on today's show. For anyone that might like to connect with you and learn more in the future, how could people maybe connect with you? Yeah, I mean, definitely through LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So Carrie Ardalan on LinkedIn would be great. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you again, Carrie. Thank you for everyone joining this show and, and listening. Hopefully this has been useful to you. Uh, we've got lots of exciting episodes coming up for the rest of 2023 with companies like Workday and Rockwell Automation, to name just a couple, coming up in some future episodes. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, please look after yourselves, look after your customers, and we'll see you again soon.